Okay, y'all. We're gonna go ahead and get started. There may be some stragglers, but that's okay. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I wanna introduce Sister Maria Garetti and Sister Anita Mary from the, I might get this wrong. That's all right. The Carmelite Sisters of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. Of Los Angeles. It's the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but the order's in Los yes, Angeles. In, yes. So they're going to be talking about Carmelite spirituality and have so much wisdom to share with us. And I'm really excited to hear what they have to say. So thank you all for coming. Thank you all for being here. Can I pray for you before we start? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of these sisters. Thank you for the gift of them being here and the gift that they are to the world. Thank you for all of their prayers, all of the work that they do. Lord, we ask that you open our hearts, that we could receive all of the wisdom they have to share with us, and that we could just receive that the gift that they are. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you anoint their words that they would speak the wisdom that you desire everyone in this room to hear. We pray all of this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Amen. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, thanks for being here. Thank here you, you for having us. All right. So we are very excited to be here with all of you. So thank you all for coming to join us. This is going to be a lot of fun. And I have to just share... Um, that this whole, this whole experience for me personally of being able to come back since I did graduate from LSU um, in December 2008 has just been absolutely phenomenal because I feel like I'm coming back home to family, you know, like even though I don't, I don't know you personally, it's just such a beautiful atmosphere here. Christ the King still has a beautiful family atmosphere, but then it's beautiful to see how everything has just blossomed. It's just, it's beautiful to see the ministries that's happening and, um, just the love that you all have in your hearts and your commitment to Christ is just so, so beautiful. And I know that for myself, being here, seeing all of you, seeing the beautiful work that the Focus missionaries do, um, the amazing pastor, um, just the beauty of the Spirit working, it gives so much hope for the church. And as we were talking with Father, um, I was getting ready to say <laughs> Father David. <laughs> no, not Father David Merrick, Father Andrew Merrick. I knew David, his brother, when I was in school here, but Father Andrew... He was sharing how, or we were reflecting how, he talks a lot about, um, you know, building. You're building a new beautiful adoration chapel here, which is so beautiful. But God is asking each and every one of us to help to rebuild his church, to keep building the church up, because she needs that so, so much right now. And that's, that's what each and every one of you are. You're the living stones that are going to build the church up. You're rebuilding the church. Um, she's in a time right now where she's really suffering. Holy Mother Church is suffering, and so is each and every one of her members. Um, but your hope, your beauty and your hope. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for um, embracing the beauty of the church. So... I have to say, listening to Jordan introduce us and say, you know, we're going to be sharing our wisdom and all of these things, I just, it makes me chuckle to myself because I think, oh Lord, like what wisdom do I have to share? It's really, um, it's not so much Sister Maria Gretti's wisdom or Sister Anita Mary's wisdom. It's really, um, it, it truly is the Holy Spirit 
And it's a lot of things that we have learned through our years of formation, um, things that Holy Mother Church has taught us. So it's really, it's not us, but it's gifts from the saints. It's gifts from um, other beautiful, holy um, people who have come into our lives who have imported these different pieces of wisdom um, to us. So as we were praying, as Jordan and I were talking and um, we're praying about, well, what is it that we could share with you that would be helpful um, we are going to talk about Carmelite spirituality, but that'll be a little bit more in the second part, what Sister Anita Mary is going to share. So what we'll do is we'll divide this into two parts. Um, what we were thinking about is what is something that we can address that would be helpful to you, like looking at, okay, our society, our culture right now, um, what are some of the struggles that we have? And this isn't just you. This is really kind of across the board, like different areas that... Um, we can just see that we're struggling. And one of those areas, and I even, and just going to be totally honest and vulnerable, um, you know, in my own journey too, starting from when I felt God calling me to Carmel, all the way through now, I can see, I can see this in myself too, how I struggled. So it's a struggle with commitment, like really looking at commitment and how do I make commitments? Why am I afraid to make commitments? What's really kind of the, the underlying um, issue that's happening there? Why is it hard for me to do that? Um, and then looking at, well, what's the remedy to that? What's the remedy to that fear of commitment? Number one, why? Why is it so hard for us to make and keep commitments? And then what is it that the church gives us, particularly through Carmelite spirituality, that's going to help us to work our way through that? What are the beautiful truths that are in there um, that's going to give us a support there? Okay. And then we're going to give you some tools that are going to be helpful for your everyday life that are going to um, support you in that journey. So we'll talk about that in the second half. Okay. So as I was praying about it, I thought, wow, you know, so what, if you look at our society, like I was saying, we really do have this kind of commitment issue, right? Um, we have a hard time committing ourselves to things, whether it's social engagements, um, whether it's belonging sometimes to a group or a club and like really being consistent with it, you know, um, saying we're going to be there, doing it, following through with what we say that we're going to do, um, we have, a, we have a difficulty giving a really um, firm yes sometimes to things. And it can be small things, um, and it can also be bigger things in our lives. So, you know, and maybe some of the questions that come into your mind as you're struggling with that is, well, what if something better comes along? You know, I don't want to commit to that thing because I know there are these other things happening, and I'm going to wait till the very last minute before I commit because what if something better comes along, Okay. Um, or another question might be, you know, what if it turns out to not be what I thought, right? So what if I commit to something and then it's totally different from what I thought, you know, it was going to turn out to be? And then, so then this is, we're going to keep going a little bit deeper here, so just follow me. So then the next thing is, what if I say yes and I'm miserable for a whole, like a two whole hours. Let's say it's something like, I got to sit through that thing. You know, oh, I can't stand that, you know. So that's the first thing. But then what if we look deeper? What if I commit and I'm miserable for two whole days, weeks? What if I commit my whole life and what I thought was going to make me happy, what is excited, doesn't come through, Okay. So we ask ourselves, what if I end up deceived? What if I end up unhappy? What if he or she doesn't come through? What if God doesn't come through? 
okay? So these are some very important questions, right? And these are some deep questions too, okay? But what you'll notice is there's a common thread running through all of this. Like we don't want to commit to things because why? Because we're afraid. There's an underlying fear that comes in all of those different circumstances. We're afraid that someone won't come through. We're afraid that God won't come through. Uh, come through. We're afraid that we won't be fulfilled in whatever it is that we've said yes to, that we've committed ourselves to, okay? So that's an important thing um, to keep in mind. Now, um, we can notice, and, and I think a lot of that fear that I'm talking about will see come out in the sense that um, we really want absolute certainty, and it's interesting, too, because even in religious life, if you talk to formators or people who have been in religious life for years, they'll say sometimes that some of the younger ones who are coming in, like, they get to a point where they're getting ready to, like, make the commitment, to, like, really commit themselves, and they start to get terrified of making that commitment because they want absolute certainty. They want God to like come out like with the burning bush, the lightning bolt from the sky and tell them 100% this is it. Like this is what's going to make you happy. This is what's going to make you fulfilled. So that's another reason. We want this absolute certainty. Um, so what we have to understand though, um, we are going to have to make these different choices and I think oftentimes we're afraid because we know that there's going to be some sort of a risk, right? There's a risk that's involved, even in small things, even in small things. We have to make choices all the time, but there's always going to be a risk. And when it comes to the bigger questions, the bigger commitments in our lives, we have a hard time taking those risks, right? Because we're afraid there's a risk to us emotionally, psychologically, um, spiritually, maybe even it, it involves sometimes a great deal of vulnerability. And sometimes that can be very, very scary, right? That vulnerability, okay? So that's why we have a hard time making up our mind. Um, so before we keep going with looking at these different fears, I want to go back to the beginning. So let's take a look at the Garden of Eden, okay? So looking at how Satan tempted Adam and Eve, what was what he made? Th he made them think, essentially, that God was holding back something really, really good from them, right? He tempted them, making them doubt God's goodness, making them doubt the Father's love. He told Eve, you know what? Like, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, if you eat of the fruit, then you're going to have all of this extra knowledge that God didn't want to give to you, didn't want to share with you initially. So you just have to reach out and grab it yourself. So he planted that seed of distrust in their hearts, right? Okay. So does that sound familiar? Like he's holding something back. There's something better. There's something better. Don't commit. Don't commit to what God's already given to you. There's something better. There's something else, okay? So there's that lack of trust, and so I bring this up just to remind you that the devil, that's what he does. He sows fear and he sows doubt. And he's done this from the very, very beginning. And so now in our fallen nature, this is always going to be a part of what we're going to experience. So there's always going to be fear. There's always going to be doubt. And that's totally normal. Every single human being experiences that. It's just a part of the journey. Okay. But it's all about um, how we respond to those. Okay. Okay, so now I'm going to name, um, <clears throat> and I promise it's going to get a lot happier and lighter in the second half, so be not afraid. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so we're going to take a look at, uh, at some of these different fears that I, think that, um, that I think that you all are probably facing right now and looking again at that, that fear, that lack of commitment, all right? So we know some of the fears that can come, come up are fears of rejection, fear of not being truly loved as I am, um, these fears of not being enough, um, fears of abandonment. So these are just a lot of common ones that we're facing now. But then lastly, like I was talking about this fear, this lack of commitment, okay, which has as its underlying cause this fear of being unhappy or this fear of suffering. And um, it's something that's so, so normal, something that every single human being struggles with that. So just know that it is normal. You're not alone. Everybody else goes through that too. All right. So I wanted to focus mostly on the last point um, because it's going to help us to um, uncover and just look a little bit more at this fear, this fear of suffering that hopefully, as Sister talks in the second half about Carmelite spirituality, um, what that healing remedy is going to be for us that can keep us moving forward, being able to make commitments um, with peace and with confidence, knowing that our Father's hand is at work in everything, every single moment of our lives, okay? All right. <clears throat> so as I was thinking about it, and thinking about this fear of suffering and fear of being unhappy. And there's so much a normal part of being human. And so I asked the question, well, why? Like, why do we fear that so much? And what came to me is because God wants us to be happy. Like, that's what we're wired for. We're wired for joy. We're wired for fulfillment. Like, our true home is heaven, and that's where we're going to experience the deepest level of fulfillment that we can possibly ever, ever experience. <clears throat> But we're made for joy here and now. We're made for happiness now. Like he does want you to be fulfilled now. So you can be confident in that. So he loves us. He desires that for us. And when he initially created us, we were not created. I mean, suffering was not a part of the picture. When he initially created us, we were created to enjoy God. Can you imagine how beautiful that must have been? I think about that sometimes. God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool breeze in the evening. They enjoyed God, and he enjoyed them. He delighted in them. What a beautiful gift. Well, no wonder when fear and suffering came into the world, it feels so contrary in a sense, because when we were initially created, that wasn't, that wasn't a part of the initial picture there. Okay? All right. So suffering came as a result of sin. All right, so that's why it makes so much sense that we're fleeing from it on a natural level. All right, and just remember, too, that our Lord, um, in taking on that full human experience, the intense suffering and the fear of suffering that he experienced in the agony of the garden, too. All right, so we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus and his humanity also allowed himself to experience that. So it's not so much the experience of the, of the fears, because those are going to come. It's when we allow those fears to control us and the decisions that we do or don't make, right? It's when we allow those fears to kind of get into the driver's seat, that fear of suffering, that fear of being unhappy, the fear of the Father not taking care of us. When that gets into the driver's seat, that's when the problem comes along because we're no longer acting out of um, truth or are responding to God's calls and love. We're acting from a different place, Okay. And just as human beings, we tend to want to take the path of least resistance, you know? We tend to like to do what feels good, what's the easiest thing, right? Um, and so we can find ourselves sometimes seeking out pleasure 
um, seeking out comfort in a lot of different forms. And so going back to this, looking at making choices and committing, uh, we may see a pattern of, yeah, we might be making choices, but are we just always choosing what just feels good? What's going to be kind of like a patch on the wound? What's going to make me feel good right now? Um, so what kind of choices are we making um, in that direction? as opposed to choosing what we know might be the better or the right thing, okay? Um, and then looking at, well, maybe I might not be committing because we don't trust that what we've chosen, um, we don't, we're afraid that maybe what we choose won't be the most fun or the most enjoyable thing at that time, right? We're afraid like, oh, what if I choose a less fun thing and then I have to hear about it from everybody else that they chose the more fun thing, right? Okay. So this constant seeking after sometimes and um, seeking after only what feels good is kind of our way of trying to protect ourselves from suffering as much as possible, okay? So they show for a variety of different reasons, these different behaviors, our responses in that way. So sometimes it might be because, um, you know, we're wounded in a lot of different ways just as human beings, you know, um, from our past experience, maybe we've been hurt, um, but I think that kind of what gets to the core, and I loved, I loved your homily today, Father. It was so beautiful, so beautiful. I think what kind of is at the core of all of this, running away um, from suffering and afraid to commit, is because we don't essentially um, really trust in God's loving, tender, providential care in our lives at every single moment from beginning to the very end, from the moment we're conceived until we take our very last breath and he calls us home. There's something in us that really has a hard time believing that to the core of our being, okay? Um, we don't always understand really that he's there. Um, and I think part of that too is because as we look back at our lives, our Lord may have allowed some painful experiences for us. And so it's really hard for us to also understand and accept the fact that even those difficult things, even those sufferings, even those wounds have been a part of his tender, loving, providential care that he's allowed certain things for us, right? So that can make it um, very, very difficult. Okay. So... He allows us to suffer, which is hard. It's hard for us to accept that. But the beauty of it is that we know, and I want to recommend this little book to you here because I'm going to quote from it right now. I don't know. Have any of you ever heard of Father Jacques Philippe? Yay. Okay, good. He has phenomenal books. So he has this one, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. Ours is all marked up. I've got things underlined. I've got things starred. I've got things all over the place because these books are so excellent. Okay, so as I went through his book here, okay, I've got a few pages marked. Here we go. He talks about, specifically about the fear of suffering. Okay. So he says, okay, so the other great obstacle to abandoning oneself to divine providence is the presence of suffering in our own lives as in the world around us. And even for those who abandon themselves to him, God permits suffering he leaves them wanting of certain things in a manner sometimes painful. And then he says, but he never leaves us deprived of what is essential. And this is the core of it right here. He never leaves us deprived of what is essential. His presence, 
his peace, and all that is necessary for the complete fulfillment of our lives according to his plans for us. If he permits suffering, then it is our strength to believe, as St. Therese of Lisieux says, that God does not permit unnecessary suffering, okay? So I just thought that that was, uh, that's an incredible insight right there, right? He never deprives us of what is essential. His presence, his peace, and all that is necessary for the complete fulfillment of our lives according to his plans for us. And we know that he desires us to be fulfilled And that's where our peace can come. Like he just said it right here. God wants us to be fulfilled. He is going to come through for us. He is going to allow painful things to happen sometimes. But he's also going to bring you a ton of joy in your life too. A ton of joy. Now, and the beauty in this too is that when we can surrender to that and accept, yes, we know that suffering is going to come our way. We're going to commit to some things. We're going to make choices. It may not turn out the way that we think it will. But God still, he's such an awesome God. He can bring good out of absolutely anything, absolutely anything if we allow him to. He can use it as a vessel of grace for both you and for those around you in your life. And so that's the other comfort that we can take too is knowing that um, because his providence is always at work, as you are moving forward in your own life, trying to make those choices, and sometimes he'll make it very clear You can take these things to prayer when you are trying to choose and make big decisions. Take them to prayer. Ask good spiritual directors, spiritual guides in your life. And then there are other, you know, and then you can make your choice. And then um, the Lord will bless that. He blesses us when we're truly discerning and looking for what it is that is his will. Um, And we just kind of take that leap of faith and and trust him. He's going to bless that. And then he's going to bless what comes through it, even if there might be a suffering involved in it. Um, And then that was the other thing, too, actually. There's a quote from here I wanted to share with you. I think I skipped over that. There is one. Ah, here we go. There's an excellent section in this book on divine providence. And I thought I had it marked here, but I'm trying to see where. Oh, there it is. I think that's it. This is so good. He gives a great analogy here. Okay. So looking at divine providence and our Father's um, very specific loving care in our lives. All right. So this is the other reason that Father says that we have a hard time with divine providence. So he says, okay, so number one, this is cute. But he says, we have hard heads. The words of Jesus do not suffice for us. We want to see at least a little in order to be able to believe and to trust him. So while we do not see it operating around us, his divine providence in a clear manner, so then how are we supposed to experience it? So this is what he says. We cannot experience the support from God unless we leave him the necessary space in which he can express himself. So the comparison he gives is there's a person um, who cannot experience the support of the parachute unless he jumps out of the plane, right? Like he's got to take the leap. He's got to make that commitment. He's got to make that choice. And then he's going to experience the support of the parachute, right? Same thing with God's providence. If we're living our lives in such a way that we don't want to commit, we're so, you know, we're afraid to like say yes to this or we're afraid to say yes to that. And we don't ever take those leaps of faith forward we're not going to feel that providence of God because we're trying so hard to keep everything within our control, right? We're trying to, we're trying to control what's going to happen, and we're afraid. We're afraid to throw ourselves into God's hands. So what he's telling us is we've got to jump out of the plane sometimes. <laughs> we've got to be willing to jump out of the plane and let ourselves be supported. Let ourselves be supported. All right. 
And that really, if you think about it, that's so much the attitude of a child, right? That's the attitude of a child. Um, I think about the beautiful families that I've been able to spend time with since I've been here, looking at Chris and Nicole and looking at Aaron and Michael. And um, it's just, it's beautiful. I see the, the trust that's been built in those families. I see the way the children just throw themselves into their parents' arms, totally trust that their parents are going to provide for them without a doubt. Dad can throw them into the air. They trust that when they come back down, dad's hands are still going to be there to catch them, right? That's the way our Heavenly Father is with us. He wants us to be that way too, um, to be able to really trust in his divine providence. Okay. Oh, so let's see here. Almost time, sister. I need a Mary to come on up. I just want to make sure that I all of my thoughts and that I want to share with you. Okay. So the beauty of being truly free. This was the other thing that um, came to me. So with God's divine providence, we're talking about making choices, making commitments. God absolutely made us 100% truly free. He made us free to choose free to choose and sometimes free to not choose, right? There's some decisions that maybe we need to make that we're not making. Um, but he leaves us totally free because he loves us. He loves us. And then again, just going back to his loving providential care, what's going to give us that confidence to keep moving forward and making those choices is that we're not making them alone. We're not making them alone, Right? We have a loving Father who's accompanying us, who's willing to help us, to send his Holy Spirit to, um, to support us. Okay. So taking those risks, um, especially sometimes in the commitments that we need to make in our lives, is the way, it's the only way that we're really truly going to live, if you think about it. Because we can spend kind of a long time, our whole lives, just waiting to live. He talks about that, and I think in Interior Freedom, too where you're really, you're waiting to throw your whole self into something because we want that absolute certainty, again, before we commit. And then you find yourself five years down the road, 10 years down the road, you know, and still haven't really fully thrown yourself into that, um, that path that God wants for, for you because you're afraid, right? So we don't want to spend our lives just waiting to live, but he's asking you to live fully right now, right, right now. Okay, and so that's actually, that's going to be, a, um, I think, a good um, segue into Sister Anita Mary's section on Carmelite spirituality and how that's going to help us because we know that he's with us at every moment. He's in the depths of our souls, and so we'll listen to our Carmelite saints and how they help us. I'd reward you, Sister. So again, thank you for, I want to echo, Sister, thank you for so much for having us here and, and for all the beautiful work that you do and just for your openness really to, to even be here and know that, that God has something for you here today. Um, and like she was saying, I had the same thought, wisdom. Yes, our Lord's wisdom and which he is so generous in allowing us to, um, to be a vessel of that. And I mean, each one, of the, each one of us through our baptism and our confirmation, I mean, we are, if we're open and we're not afraid to commit. Um, so yes, yeah, so like sister was, as sister was saying, um, as I speak of Carmelite spirituality, we're very much thinking about that fear of um, being unhappy, being subject to suffering. But again, I think we're a little bit biased 
that Carmelite spirituality really does address all, all the different fears that keep us from really embracing that life that our Lord has, is offering to us um, to be happy in this life and then the eternal life that he's offering to us to be, to be with him forever in heaven. Um, so the spirit of Carmel, it really strikes at the very root of all that fear because it's so committed to, um, to direct our energies towards that deepest longing that each human soul has to be united with God. That probably less for you, but for a lot of our contemporaries in the world, we don't think of that as being our deepest longing. But if we really dig deep and, and like, like sisters saying, we, we're afraid to go there sometimes. And I know for myself, I, I'm afraid to ask those kinds of questions that go deeper and deeper into what, what really lies in, in our hearts. But that's really every desire, every dis, disordered desire that we encounter, and it's going to be different for each one of us. It goes back to, I think there was a song many, 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 many years ago, there's a God-shaped hole in every one of us, and only God can fill that. <laughs> She's singing. Um, and really, only God can fill that, but from the very beginning, the evil one has planted in our hearts that he can't. He can't deliver that promise that, um, that he's given us. So how, um, with Carmel being so... Um, adamant at about deep intimate prayer and having that life of prayer not not reserving that to the cloister I mean we're we've been sharing with with many many of you who have asked well I thought Carmelites are only cloistered what are you doing out here <laughs> which is our joy to be out here um, but just that, yes, Carmel and its life of prayer is not just for the nuns in, in the monastery, but I feel um, that it's, it's really that gift for the church that each, each person needs to be a Carmelite. <laughs> um, so, oh, I wanted to show a, let me think, not yet. <laughs> But yes, you can, you can get ready. Um, let me make sure that I'm setting it up right. Um, so yes, so just that, that focus on prayer. Because that's where we get to know the God that we want to, that our, that our hearts are longing for. Because obviously we don't, we don't know him. That's why... Um, that's why we, we're, we, we get into that pattern of allowing the evil one to, to speak these lies to us that he's not going to deliver. So um, this quote is um, from a document called The Book of the Institution of the First Monks. This is um, one of the earliest ancient writings from the hermits who started on Mount Carmel. So in the 11th, 12th, um, 12th century. Um, so you'll see that I, I started with the second part. So the beginning of this quote talks about the twofold aim of Carmel. So this is the second, and you'll kind of understand as we go along why I 
mention this first. So it says, the other part of the goal of this life, the Carmelite life, is granted to us as the free gift of God. Namely, to taste somewhat in the heart and to experience in the soul, not only after death, but even in this mortal life, the intensity of the divine presence and the sweetness of the glory of heaven. And if you know any Carmelite saints, this, this will remind you of them. And just that um, looking first at the, the actual gift that, that, they're, that we're talking about, that experience of God's presence, not only looking forward to heaven, which all of us are, and we, we always say, I'd rather go up than down, but the, the real reality of heaven and any St. Elizabeth of the Trinity fans there, that heaven is in my soul because God is in my soul. And so just that, what he offers us in that. But I want to go back to the beginning part of the quote, that it's a free gift of God, that on the one hand, we can't make it happen, but on the other hand, he it's always available for us, and we, all we have to do is be open. And it's, it's like the child who, um, I don't know, it's harder to pick up a child who's not reaching up for you type of thing. That it's that receptivity on our part that brings down that gift of God. And I think, too, in, along with that... Um, that fear of commitment, that control, I want absolute certainty there. And because I'm not believing that our Lord is going to um, deliver on his promises, I'm trying to grab for the gift that I think is for me, but that's not what our Lord is, is offering because he actually does have something better in mind, truly. And so, again, it's like I was saying earlier, the question that we need to ask is, I think the, the fundamental question is, as Father was sharing in his homily earlier um, this morning, who do we really think God is? Who is it? How do we see him? Um, how do we see this God who is offering us this gift. So why, why would I want that gift? Who is he? Who, what, what does, who is he for me? Or who is he really? And do, because then, then we can ask the question, do I want what he's offering? So if I, if I believe, and I, and I say, I say this with, with complete honesty that I, I don't, I know that I don't always, in a, in a sense, believe what I know that God, I mean, like Father, again, he, it was very anointed because he was um, taking thoughts out of my head that we, we know, we know that God is good. We went through catechism. We know that God is good, but do, my, do the choices of my life show that? And I, and I know that I look at my life and I say a lot of them don't because there's that lack of trust. Because I'm buying into 
the lie that my father is not going to take care of me because there have been times that there have been tough times and there have been times that I've been really hurt when, um, when I thought, when I thought I was doing his will. But the thing is that when we, when we suffer as a, as a, like sister was saying, as a result of when suffering comes right after and seems to be a result of, and sometimes it is, of doing and following God's will, it's always because there's, there's more to come. I have a priest friend who, who would say, and I think he was quoting himself. No, not quoting himself, but himself. <laughs> so I said... Um, <laughs> Um, but he was quoting someone else when he shared it with us, but it's going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. So it, that's always been for me. <laughs> but Lord, it's so tough. Um, but no, but he, he always, the resurrection, he always gets the last say and he is, um, he is victorious. But where, how, so now the question is, so do we know and believe God is who he says, who says he is? But how, frankly, not always. That's why we're afraid to commit. That's why we're afraid of anything. But how do we get from there to, I believe a little bit more today, Lord, and I believe a little bit, and I hope I believe a little bit more tomorrow, and so on. So, um, next one, please. <laughs> She's just looking at me. Um, so, this is a quote from St. Teresa of Avila, who reformed the Carmelite order in the 1500s. I always get confused. 16, 16th century, 1500s. So she says, mental prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than an intimate sharing between friends. I would take the liberty to say between a child and his or her father. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. And we know, maybe a lot more up here than down here, that our father loves us. Our father in heaven loves us. And again, we know it. And we understand probably up here that every desire in our life comes from the desire to be united with him again, to come back to the Father's house. And at the same time, like I said, it, it doesn't always come down here in the practicality because it looks to, we look at our lives and say, this is, it doesn't look like I do because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going, I'm not jumping out of the plane enough. But we need to focus on the yes part. I do. Even if it's, even if you see it a lot up here and you don't feel it a lot down here, we have to um, be honest with ourselves and realize that our Lord knows where we are. And so to work, and he works with what is. 
So if I am pretending that, oh yeah, I believe God loves me all the time, I trust him, but I know deep down that I'm not, he can't work with that because I'm not, I'm not open, I'm not, I'm not acknowledging that I need a savior. Um, and the other part of that is realizing that as much as, and it can be really painful sometimes, that you, you, you get to the point of, I know that I, I don't trust God, that I, I, I doubt his love, and there can, that can be that really painful realization even in, in that honesty of it, but to realize that as much as we want that relationship of trust to be established, to grow, God wants that so much more. And I can't even, there's not a word in, maybe there is in another language, but not in, in the English language to express how much more he wants just for all of us to, to spend eternity with him. And I think that can be a starting point for us in having some idea, our brains are not big enough, but having some idea of how, how much he loves us. And I think it's easier, sometimes it's easier for us to understand even more deeply than intellectually that God is good. But I think sometimes we don't go so far as to say that that goodness is also for me. That yes, he's good, but I'm, I'm too bad for him to be good, for me, good to me and so I don't think he loves me as much as all the good people. But he wants that relationship with us more than we can imagine. And so everything that he does, everything that we, we like to kind of umbrella under providence, which is everything that happens, everything is is out of his love. So there's this quote from um, St. Therese. Everything is a grace. Everything is the direct effect of our Father's love. This is a kind of a painful list. Difficulties, contradictions, humiliations, all the soul's miseries, her burdens, her needs. Everything. Because through them, she learns humility, realizes her weakness. Everything is a grace because everything is God's gift. So begin, I, I like to break things down. So beginning with, everything is the direct effect of our Father's love. And that can be, and if you look at the list that follows, it, it can be so hard to, you mean... God, you want me to be humiliated? You want me to be miserable? But it's a, and she says, she's a doctor of the church. Um, she says, it's a direct effect. And this is, this is like, it, it, it sounds like a contradiction in itself. How can my heavenly good father who loves me allow and want these things to happen? Don't let me forget there's two answers <laughs> that I want to give to that. But one, because it, it helps us to become humble. It helps us to realize that, oh, right, 
I can't stand on my own two feet by myself. I can't take the next breath without God. And we, myself, multiple times a day, I forget that I wouldn't be here for his constant loving thought of me. He's constantly loving us into existence. And without that, I'm not here. I'm totally dependent on him. So that was, that's the first. It reminds us that yes, one, we are completely helpless, but the, the flip side and the upside of that is that we have a father who provides everything. And that includes, and this is the second point that I didn't forget, it includes those difficulties, etc., etc. That will make for a much greater victory. I'm just going to say it again. That, it, that those things that we go through, tough as they are, when we're going through them, will make for an, a greater victory. And our Lord says, Behold, you will do even greater things than these. Because he, he, was, he is perfect. But he has to work with this stuff. <laughs> with the stuff that we stuff our God-shaped hole with. With the control that we want to have. With all, all sorts of things. With just... The, the dirt that we are, but he can, he can make something so beautiful out of each one of us. And so, he allow, and so it's because he has that, he has that long-range vision, it, it can be a direct effect. He doesn't, I'm sure it breaks his heart when we have to go through things like that, but he, he knows he knows that it's going to be so much better. And so we can see everything as a grace because it's, in, it's within our loving Father's loving plan. So then, again, I, I feel like I haven't answered the question, but how do we get there? So we go to the first part of the twofold aim of Carmel, because we, we do have a part. So the second part is a gift. And our, in a way, our part is the receptivity, but with what does that receptivity look like? And so it says, one part, the first part we acquire, or the first part mentioned, but there's really no first or second, excuse me. Um, one part we acquire with the help of divine grace, so we're still not doing it by ourselves, through our efforts and virtuous works. This is to offer God a pure heart, free from all stain of actual sin. So I, wanna, I want to focus on free from all stain of actual sin in the sense of going back to that original sin of distrust. How do we um, how do we begin 
to allow our Lord to heal that, that wound of distrust in the love of our Father. So what is in our power to do, again, with the help of grace, to reorder our response to his providence, especially when it's manifest in those mysterious and often painful ways. So I have a, let's see, one, two, three. Okay, I have three suggestions. One, to see it, I mean, already, okay. So we can tell ourselves in our head that, okay, this is really tough, but I know our Lord is going to pull me through it. It'll be better in the end. It's not the end because it's not okay yet, but it can still be hard. (laughs) So it can be helpful too, and I mean, helpful for us psychologically, but also helpful for the world to realize that all all human suffering, because of Christ's suffering and death, is now sanctified and made powerful for redemption. So my suffering right now, if I intentionalize it, it can save a soul. It can save the world. I mean, I... I don't know the economics of salvation, but I, I mean, I'm, this is very personal to me, but when, when this is really working and they're working together, like, Lord, whatever, everything, I offer it for every, every, every soul that ev- that's ever lived that we can all be with you forever. And not only is that um, efficacious for the church, but think of think of when you've had a friend who's going through a really tough time. Have you ever felt, after you've walked with them, that it had been a privilege to walk with them? Now imagine that friend as our Lord. And what and how much and that friend after after you go through something with someone, your friendship becomes so much deeper. Imagine that with our Lord. That union with him in his in his darkest and yet in his brightest of moments, because that was his that's his victory. How united we become with him when we suffer. It sounds weird, but suffer intentionally, not bringing suffering upon ourselves, but bearing suffering with intention. Um, So I want to share this. I don't know if you know Blessed Titus Bransma. He was a Carmelite priest in Poland, Netherlands. He was Dutch. Wow. Anyway, Somewhere in Eastern Europe. I don't know. But anyway, Blessed Titus Bransma. He was, he's a beautiful example. He was, um, I think he ended up in four different, transferring through four different concentration camps during World War II. 
and he eventually died um, in Dachau. But he, he just, there's his example. Um, I think he's, oh, okay, great. Five minutes. Okay, so let me just show you this. This is something that he wrote while he was imprisoned. <laughs> okay. Love calls for courage on my part, but pain's own blessing fills my heart. For pain makes me become like you and leads me to your kingdom too. I feel true blessing in my pain. Such suffering for me is gain. For what your providence will do is make me one, my God, with you. I don't really have much to say after that. Um, but I did remember that if we're taking pictures, um, if you'd like a copy of the quotes, um, if you let us know, we have little contact cards. Um, we can email that to you. Just let us know. Um, but yes, I think that's, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave that with you just to reflect on, on your own. Um, but I have another quote from him. And this, okay, it's, he who wants to win the world for Christ must have the courage to come in conflict with it. And the thought that I have with this, especially as we're in Lent, um, that, that self-discipline and self-denial that helps us to turn our gaze away from ourselves and what we, we, we end up thinking we need. Like Father Jacques Philippe was saying, our Lord doesn't, doesn't keep from us what's essential. But sometimes we think, oh, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need absolute certainty. But we, we don't. If you did, you would have it. That's, pro that's how providence works. It's really simple. But it's hard for us to get. But then when we, when we deny ourselves of something for the love of God, for the intention of, make, of conforming our wills more with His, it's kind of a mus like a muscle that, um, that we exercise to, to, say, to just say, okay, Lord, I, I'm, quote, giving this up, knowing that if I really needed it, you would provide it for me anyway. And yes, I'll, so it's, yes, I'll leave it at that. I think that's, we'll, we'll leave it at this one for now. But then we, I, want, I do want to go, this is the third thing, third suggestion that I have. Um, it's called the examine prayer. Um, and so we have cards for you all to take home. But I want to quickly go through, it's, it's rooted in the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. And um, it's a really beautiful way to grow in knowing, getting to know, building relationship with our Father, and getting to know the real Him, and kind of um, pulling away the masks that we put on Him, and really healing those wounds that we, we like to cover over instead of allowing Him to heal them. Um, it's not meant to take more than 15 minutes, but it's, it really is very rich and just, it's just, a, I, I don't want to say rewarding, there's a better word. It's, it's a very fruitful 
prayer. We, we had a retreat not too long ago, a, a whole eight days on just this 15-minute prayer. And so it's very rich, but I, I wanted to go over it really quickly. Briefly, it's not your examination of conscience where I'm listing my sins and I'm so terrible and God doesn't love me. I mean, listing your sins doesn't equate to God doesn't love me, but it can feel, an examination of conscience can feel like that. And this is not that, although it is helpful. This practice is helpful to making your examination of conscience much lighter, much more in the truth rather than I'm so terrible. But what it is, is like I said, it's, it's discerning the, the spirits, the movements, the stuff that goes on inside. It's not exactly, our emotions can come sometimes be in there too, but it's just, it's like, what is your gut saying? And what, why, why am I being pulled in this way or that way? And recognizing the good spirit that leads me to God and the evil spirit who leads me away. So there's five steps to it. The first one is thanksgiving, and just, it's, it's such a beautiful practice to be grateful, to really see our Lord's hand in everything, and I think this practice helps us to purify our image of God, and to see, oh yes, he does do good things for me, and then you start to see that, um, you start to realize that you're thanking him for tough things too. Like, that was really hard, but I, I know now, or I'm placing it in your hands because I know, even if I don't see, that it's going to come out in good. And, it, and that attitude of gratitude reminds us again of our dependence and also how lavishly loved we are. So we're so dependent, we can't do anything by ourselves, and yet he pours gifts on us every day. The second step is to petition the Holy Spirit. Again, we can't, we can't even pray without his help. And so just to ask for that light. Otherwise, we look, we see, um, we see the events of our day, and instead of internalizing them and seeing them in God's light, we infernalize them as one of our... <laughs> Our retreat master says, we infernalize. Again, I'm so terrible. But with the Holy Spirit, then that's taken care of. And so we can reflect, third step, we can reflect on the movements of the day. What are moments in the day that stick out to me? Why is that significant to me? Where was that leading me? Where, how did I respond to it? Where was God in it? Where did I miss God in it? Where did I move away from God in it? Those kinds of questions, and those are all on the card. And then the fourth is contrition, because most likely there will be those times when, you know, Lord, I could have followed you in this moment, but I didn't. I saw the choice that I had to make, and I made the wrong choice. So we ask for forgiveness, and we acknowledge that we need his help. And then the fifth one is to look forward together to the future. And again, it's, it's all about that relationship that it's not like, okay, contrition, I'm sorry. Help me do better next time. Okay, I'm going to plan for what it's going to be like. But instead, Lord, show me. Show me how you want me to respond next 
or I know that this really difficult, challenging thing is coming up, how do you want me to handle this? And so it, it again, it just it helps us to recognize God's voice and to be more docile to him in the many different ways that he comes to us, that he reveals his will to us. Um, I hope that was helpful. I have one last quote, and I'm super duper over time. Oh, no, not too bad. But um, this is from our mother foundress, Mother Luisita. Um, there's a new book on her life, but really quickly, she, um, she was a married woman, became a widow, became a foundress, um, brought our sisters here to the United States because of the, Mex uh, the Catholic persecution in Mexico. And so just her life of ups and downs and ins and outs and unders and overs and just following our Lord's will. And I think she's a, she's a beautiful example for all of us. And one of her anchors was the, the Holy Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament. So she says to, this is a letter that she wrote to one of our sisters during the persecution, but a message for all of us to form a rich and beautiful tabernacle for our Lord within your heart. And then do not let him go. In that way, you will always have him within you. And just to remember that we really do have heaven in our souls and that um, not only is each step that he's leading us on lead us to the heaven of eternity, but that, like Sister was, was saying, he, he steps each of those steps with us and he delights to be in that inner tabernacle that we have. Um, if only we would remember that he's there. The end. Okay. We have the cards here for you, the examine cards. It's a beautiful, and the prayers that are on here too are very, very helpful. Um, yeah, such a beautiful prayer. So if we, maybe we can, would you mind starting to pass this out? I'm going to tell you about a few things we have, and I think actually we may have forgotten. Sister, did we leave the flyers in the car? I think we did. We can go back and get them. <laughs> I think we did. We have a lot of fun things here that we also wanted to share with you as well. Um, and one of those, one of the main things I wanted to share, especially with the, the young women, we have a program. It's called Serving with Sisters. And it's actually a summer volunteer program. Um, it's a load of fun. We love it so, so much. So it's 10 days this summer. And it's at the end of May going into early June. But basically, um, it's for women between the ages of 20 to 30. And you come and spend 10 days with our sisters. And we go to all of our different apostolates and volunteer. We take a trip to the beach. This is in California, by the way. We, um, we, we take, uh, I'm getting the keys. We take a trip to the beach. Um, and it's, uh, it's a time that you're able to really just pour yourself out in service alongside our sisters. So um, we'll leave some flyers here for you if any of you are interested in that, that program. And then also we have some other things, some bookmarks with quotes from our mother, Luisita, that sister was telling you about and some contact cards and um, 
we'll put those, maybe we can leave those with Jordan and we can figure out, we can just put those out for all of you. So, um, and it has our website on it. Our sisters are also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of those fun things that, um, that we have now. So um, if you would like to follow us on there, it has all of that information there too. All right. And lastly, just thank you again. Thank you so much for letting us come. This has been such an incredible joy. Um, and just know that the sisters, we accompany you with our prayers. Um, it's, our, it's our joy to be able to pray for you. It's a beautiful gift to be able to be here with you. Um, and just know too, also there's something on our website. If you go there, if you have certain prayer intentions that you want us to pray for, you can submit your prayer intentions online and we're happy to pray for those. We do get all of those. So um, don't hesitate to let us know. Um, but I think those are the last things. Did we want to, I, I know it's kind of late, but if y'all have any questions, I don't know if anybody has any questions. Is that okay? Does anybody have any questions about anything? Anything at all? No? Now you're quiet. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you all so much, and God bless you. Um, and Sister and I will be here for a little while, so if you wanted to come and um, if you did have questions that you're more comfortable asking us one-on-one, -on -one, we'll be here. So, okay. So thank you.